According to the Bureau of Labor Statistics, the median annual income in the U.S. is currently $48,516 a year. And according to an article from the Lexington Law Review in January explains that Americans are spending roughly 82% of their income on housing, food, transportation, insurance, and healthcare. How do we adjust our lifestyle to free up more of this money, not only to save, but also invest and build for our financial future? That's today's show. Welcome to the Good Samaritan Podcast. I'm glad to have you with us for episode three. So today's episode, we're going to talk about building that financial foundation about where you currently stand, as we kind of talked about already in the first couple of episodes. And another big part of, as I kind of mentioned as well, our our pillars of self-control. Today, we're going to start to get into the, the nitty gritty and the meat of, you know, why do we make some of the financial decisions that we make? How do we take control, more control of those decisions and to uh, put ourselves in the best position to become successful? So I wanted to start with uh, those two stats uh, to kick off today's episode because they're, they're pretty, pretty astounding and why it seems so difficult uh, to build one's wealth or one's income and to really take their financial situation to, to the next level. You know, currently... The average American is spending 82 percent of their income on the necessities. So they're, you know, they're focused on, you know, putting a roof over their head, uh, food on the table, an opportunity to get around, you know, obviously make it most importantly, get to and from work um, as well as insurance to protect themselves uh, in the case of any, you know, physical tragedies or uh, emotional stresses and things of that nature or any medical expenses that might come up. And then as well as healthcare, just healthcare expenses outside of insurance uh, that that insurance does not cover. And that's 82% of uh, your income going just like that. Uh, so we can imagine why it's so difficult to build off of that remaining 18%. Uh, which I haven't mentioned anything about entertainment, for example. The first big idea I want to lay on you all for today's show is how do we make liquid 50 percent of our income, you know, versus uh, the current that current average American spending 82 percent of their income on necessities of life. No doubt about it. They're necessities. Uh, But how do we manage that better so we can free up uh, half of our income for saving, for investing and moving and moving in towards what we want to do with that money. But we got to free it up first. And the only way to do that is there there are only two ways you can uh, fix your net income, uh, which is either you make more money. So you increase your income or uh, you decrease your expenses. And obviously the best way to or to maximize your net income is to do both is to increase your income as well as decrease your expenses. So let's start with how does one go about increasing your income? What well, there are a number of ways you can do that. And I would say the the minimum basic idea is this is for people who want to hustle. Um, you can't increase your income unless you make a commitment, unless you have a desire to go out and be more productive which generally means also putting in uh, more work. And it's just about what kind of work do you want to put in? So this is 
the idea of increasing your income is all about the hustlers out there. Uh, you're willing to go that extra mile to make that extra that extra money to you know open up your your uh, your path to investing or saving or increasing your net income uh, and stabilizing and building your financial foundation. So this is for the uh, the hustlers, I would say. Um, initially, uh, one really quick way to boost your income, which is we you probably heard the term the gig economy uh, in today's uh, in today's lingo. There are ways for you to go make money tomorrow if you're willing to put in the effort uh, in the the motivation and desire to go out and make those funds. Great example uh, actually is Uber and Lyft. Um, this is a personal one for me. I when I got laid off at you know my job before that when I have now, um, I couldn't you know with the wife and a family to feed. You know, of course, I'm immediately you start looking for another job and putting in applications and you know that process is really slow. So you're just kind of sitting at home doing nothing for a while. And uh, one of the things I discovered is one, I just, you know, I just couldn't sit at home anymore um, while my wife went to work, you know, while my kids were at, you know, at school, kind of taking care of the home. You know, I felt like I could do more and be more productive than I was currently being. So I, I signed up on a lift app one day uh, out, outside of my nervousness of all the stories you've heard. Uh, and I hopped in the car and I just started driving. And then the more I drove, the more money I made uh, and the more secure I felt. Um, Obviously, individually, I was more productive, uh, but our family situation was secure. And over those, you know, three months as I was interviewing, trying to find the right job, it allowed a bridge to be built uh, for us in that in that moment, in that situation where we didn't really go backwards. Uh, I think people can find with job loss that they can go backwards uh, because of, you know, there's some, you know, psychological things you might be dealing with a little bit of depression, depression, a little shock, you know, a little beat down, like, you know, why did that happen to me? And once you pull yourself out of that, you find like, oh, like I can next day, next opportunity, you know, I'm rolling, I'm hustling, I'm, I'm ready to, you know, keep keep putting that energy and that effort uh, into into stabilizing that foundation. So with the gig economy, there are ample opportunities for you to go out and make extra cash on the side as long as you're willing to put in the energy and the effort. Uber and Lyft being one. Um, get creative with it. Uh, when you think about Airbnb, I've stayed in plenty of Airbnbs, you know, with travel for work and just travel in general. And I met a lot of people who, you know, are monetizing extra space in their homes. Once you can uh, wrap your mind around what it takes to get there and what it takes to be productive uh, and be entrepreneurial, uh, you can create uh, other income flows for you. So those are my two examples on the gig economy. Um, A more long term example uh, which I have another personal example of this as well, is investing in your education. Uh, for me, it was going to get my MBA, uh, which cost me about $40,000. Um, but almost before I even f- finished my program, I was able to increase uh, my pay about $30,000 annually. Um, 
from the, you know, that initial investment. And this is why people might think about going to business school or going uh, to further their education in the more traditional way through colleges um, to increase their their income, uh, which worked out for me. Again, takes energy and effort. Uh, It was a two year program for me personally. Uh, A lot of nights, a lot of not doing anything fun for two years. I pretty much worked Uh, took care of my family and spent the weekends with uh, my cohort at the time uh, doing projects, uh, writing papers, uh, doing presentations. Um, So it was a a thrilling and fun time. I will say that, uh, but it required a lot of energy, uh, effort, uh, motivation and desire. And I think the thing you'll find with increasing your income, it's all about being productive but it also takes a personal commitment, uh, energy and motivation to see it through, uh, which should not be looked over. As long as you can dig within yourself and decide you want to do it and have a plan and commit to it uh, when trying to find ways to boost your income, uh, it's going to take uh, work on your part to do so. Uh, another great example, which is not personal for me, but you can... You know, start a business, a side business. Uh, My wife actually is a great example of this. Uh, She actually started two businesses. Uh, I think one business helped her discover she had a a larger passion uh, once she found the work needed uh, in the initial business that she discovered her passion for uh, fashion and was able to uh, expand that through her blog work, which she's been doing for years now, but has, you know, over time created additional income. Which again, back to putting in work and energy and having the motivation, uh, what people may not see uh, outside of the blog posts and the Instagram posts and I guess TikTok now. And uh, I don't know if she's on Twitter now when I think about it, but her own website, uh, I've watched her work many a nights uh, at home, you know, building content uh, and coming up with ideas and walking people through on her her Instagram live accounts and, you know, talking about the things that she's passionate about. But I can't say that it is it is work. Um, so be prepared, be prepared to work if you're willing to work and you have the motivation and desire. Uh, there is money to be made in the economy. You just got to be creative. Uh, think about what works for you, what what will motivate you to put in that additional energy to help you boost your Uh, boost your income. Another uh, way to consider boosting your income as well is to add a new skill. So maybe not so much in, you know, having not everyone has the ability to uh, invest in a traditional educational platform like going to college or an additional uh, time in college. But there are also ways you can add new skills. I know you can go uh, learn how to do coding uh, by taking a few classes uh, to help kind of boost your income. Uh, month to month, I believe that the website's called code.org, if that's something you're interested in, or the Khan Academy. Uh, But these are just people going online, uh, making a commitment to add a new skill to their skill set to therefore become more productive, uh, which then has offers the opportunity for them to earn more money and to boost uh, their income. I have another good friend, and I'm not sure how much he does it these days, but uh, he um, had a passion for music Music when we were in college Started to DJ uh, Kind of four-wayed his way into DJing Doing it for, you know, 
little extra change just to, you know, kind of get things going. And after a while, it became his side hustle. Um, and he used those funds to actually pay off debt uh, for a long while. So it's you always have the opportunity to build a new skill uh, to help you boost your income and increase uh, your income. The common thing from all of these examples, as I've mentioned already before, and I'll say it again, is energy, effort, motivation, desire. These are people in these examples who just decided to get up and do something about it. Um, didn't let their situation didn't didn't see their situation as a uh, concrete, uh, but that was more fluid that they could go out and make more money in whatever way uh, that they thought possible and just got more creative about it and then invested their time and their energy and their efforts uh, to educate themselves to be better at providing either a service uh, to the economy at large uh, where people saw value in what they were providing and then would then uh, pay for those those services or access to those things that they were offering. Uh, so building your income is a great way to build and solidify your foundation. And I would ask you to do some soul searching on what are you already good at that you can monetize uh, out in the market uh, where someone's looking for a skill that you already have. How do you put that out in the market so that people can see you and know that you're there? Uh, and that they can come to you for for those services. So do some soul searching on what opportunities you have uh, to build your income, uh, whether that be in the gig economy, whether that be going to uh, get some more traditional training at a college if you can make that investment, or it's as simple as adding a new skill, which can be um, much more affordable, or maybe it's just starting your own business. Uh, maybe you already do something exceptionally well uh, on the, in your hobbies or in other parts of your life outside of your work life. How do you monetize that? Put together that plan, execute it, and you'll see your income grow. Now, the flip side of that coin is your expenses. And we've talked about budgeting and listing out your income and your expenses uh, but what I really want to get into on today's show on the expenses side is how do we view each one of those line items? And there are really three key expenses to focus on uh, in any budget because they take such a large amount of your income. Um, and really focusing on those three to really make it a priority, not letting your emotions get involved, uh, not worrying about the Joneses, uh, making those decisions for you or you letting them influence you, um, not not putting um, subjective thinking onto those expenses like you you deciding what you think you deserve, uh, what your mama said you should have or what you should get. You know, we want to have a real plan and use some math on how we determine what our budget is for something like housing, for example. You know, one should target and spend and something that I would encourage you to think about is only limiting your housing cost to 20 percent of your monthly income and letting that drive your decision on how much you should spend on your housing. So, for example, and we'll actually use the median income from Americans. So uh, the median income for Americans is about forty eight thousand six hundred and seventy two dollars. I got that from the Bureau of Labor Statistics or about nine hundred and thirty six dollars a week, uh, roughly about thirty seven hundred dollars a month, let's say. 
that person at max should commit to spending about $750 a month on a rent or a mortgage. You may say, Jason, the market, the rents where I live, I mean, they minimum start at a thousand. Like that's just not realistic. This is why I need you to focus on the prioritizing uh, prioritizing of your financial security in your future over some of the comforts of life that you have grown accustomed to. So maybe it means if we're talking about housing, maybe it means we can't we can't live downtown. You know, maybe we don't we don't make enough to where we can comfortably live downtown to hit our metric of 20 percent. Now you can now you can might look around and say, hey, that you know that's you know I got plenty of money. I can spend thirty percent of my income, thirty five percent of my income. Like I got, I don't have that many quote unquote bills and things you know responsibilities I have to pay for. But again, the reality is, what's your goal? What's your priority for your financial life, securing your financial uh, life, and building for that financial future that you want to have? You have you want to be able to sacrifice now so that you can live in the future in a way that you have envisioned in your mind, because if you don't have that plan, as we've discussed before, it's not just going to happen for you. So when I talk about uh, going back to those sacrifices, like I said, maybe maybe it means you got to drive an extra 20, 30 minutes, you know, from where you work. Uh, to, to live in a more affordable neighborhood. Uh, maybe it means that you have a roommate or two, you know, to get to hit that threshold and to be in that 20 percent range uh, for your housing costs, because it's not the only cost that you're going to have. And I use housing as a great example because it is one of those three key expenses. But I really want to reiterate the importance of it because, I, you know, I've had it in my own life. I've driven plenty of miles and time out of the way to be in an affordable neighborhood, which has enabled us to be in a better financial situation uh, down the road. It's really critical that you're able to go back to that analogy I used in prior shows, like look in that mirror and be honest with yourself. Like I know those comforts feel so good. Like I'm right, I'm right downtown. I'm right in uptown uh, or I'm in the, in the neighborhood I really want to be in. I know it costs a little more, but it was worth it. In that moment, you feel that it's worth it. But down the road, you don't want to have any regrets. Like, man, I, man, I, I thought I was going to be, you know, 10 years ago, I thought I was going to be here, but I'm not. And if you really go through back through those, those examples that you have in your life, you can probably point them out and be like, man, you know, I lived here not because I was focused on my plan, but because of other factors. How a place made me feel, uh, who it might have been close to, what restaurants it might have been close to. And this is where the real work comes in. This is this is what I really want to get across uh, to all my listeners. It's like this is this is the moment where you make it uh, or you don't, because it's all about being honest with yourself, being able to self-manage yourself in a way that you don't allow your emotions to get involved or anyone else outside. Like you set that 20%, it's $750. I'm not looking at anything that's over my budget and hold firm to that. These are the hard things uh, that separates the people who are able to build wealth 
uh, who started, you know, with nothing, with a little bit and able to or to ascend over time because they were able to have the mental clarity and the mental strength and the middle mental capacity and commitment to not waver from those goals. And that's what separates uh, people who are able to build really strong uh, cash reserves, uh, uh, stock options, and are able to buy property. If you look around, you see like, how are they able to do that when they might not have started wealthy? Uh, and it's because they were able to focus, uh, really self-manage themselves and say no to comforts today uh, for much larger comforts in tomorrow. And housing, it being your single largest cost, is the most important item you spend money on uh, month to month that can change your uh, financial future uh, and security down the road. The other big expense or number two of the three key expenses uh, is food. And this one's an easy one. I think we all struggle with this one. We all, if you live in America, man, there's we got a lot of great food, man, in this country. It is phenomenal. It's so diverse. Uh, I'm a foodie myself, so I, I get caught up in this one uh, for sure. But as we all know, it's way more affordable, way cheaper uh, to make your meals at home. As we talked about self-management in the past, again, this is where it can make or break your budget and make or break your financial future because every day if you if you sit down and you probably looked and had that come to Jesus moment as we've talked about before when you looked at your spending the last three month over the last three months eating out at restaurants you're like man this can always be surprising you're like man I spent twelve hundred dollars last month just eating out and that's twelve hundred dollars you could have saved and put in an emergency fund. Uh, that's $1,200 that could have been on its way to purchasing a rental property. That's $1,200 you could put into the stock market right now uh, with it bottoming out with the, the fears of the coronavirus that will grow over the next 10, 20, 25, 30 years, as long as you want to leave it in there. But instead, you might have spent it on Taco Bell, um, McDonald's one night uh, you might have spent it at a nice restaurant you might have spent it at Perry Steakhouse um, and you just kind of that money just kind of gets away from you because you're living in the moment again and you're not focused on the goal and self-managing and it can really put a huge dent uh, in your in your financial plan and in your financial future and the key behind it is really just how do we call some of that money back and direct it towards our goal. So on average, the average American spends about 10% of their income uh, on food. About 45% of that money is eating out. So how do we pull, how do we reduce that 45%? If you're you know, at that medium income level of uh, 45,000, that means you're spending about $4,500 a year on eating out. Almost half of that, or you're spending $4,500 a year on food, almost half of that uh, is eating out. How do we reduce that cost? What a huge chunk of that is, uh, you know, eating out. How do we reduce that, eat more meals at home and flip $1,000 that year uh, into an investment? And we can do that by being more conscious about what we consume, 
um, eating at home more, preparing our meals more at home uh, because they're cheaper, they last longer, and they help us save money uh, and to free up money for, for more investment. And then the third and final uh, expense that is really critical for anyone to focus on or for all of us to focus on is transportation. So when I, when I was in, in middle school, um, obviously rap was still uh, very popular and I'll never forget um, the popular song at the time being, it was by uh, Big Timers. And the, the whole premise of the song was like, I got gator boots with a pimped out Gucci suit. Ain't got no job, but I stay fly. And uh, I'm sure you probably, pardon me, I was kind of jamming for a minute, but I, I still haven't forgotten it. And I was just like, wait, how how you how you ain't got no job, but you still fly? Like, that, <laughs> that don't make sense, kind of. But, you know, the culture was you know, the floss and have nice things, particularly a nice car, even if you could only afford to put a quarter of a tank of gas in it <laughs> um, each time you went to the gas station. And it's really important not to, you know, overspend on transportation. And because it just gets you from point A to point B. And again, it goes back to you know, being willing to sacrifice some of those comforts right now to get to a level that maybe, you know, maybe in your future you can you can go out and buy a, a Cadillac Escalade, you know, cash money. You walk in the dealership and buy cash money like that. That's something that you can achieve, but you're going to make it much harder to achieve it if right now when you're not in that level you still go buy a Cadillac Escalade. It might be eight years old for 40,000 with some miles on it, it's got maintenance on it, the interest rate is hitting you on it, um, and you're giving all your money to the bank before you, you know, you're able to, to flip it in compound interest, you know, let compound interest work for you or an investment work for you or business create cash flow for you. And it's really important that you manage that situation because it's not about looking fly. It's it's about the numbers. Uh, maybe I go buy a cash car for five thousand, you know, to not have a car payment and not to waste any money on interest. Uh, there's nothing in life that says you have to be in debt. There's no rule in life that you can't have a car without having an auto loan. Um, and it's important once you kind of wrap your head around that and once you kind of break free of what the normal thing is to do in America, you one, you become free. And you're like, man, you're right. Like, I don't I'm tired of five hundred dollar a month car payments and, you know, 60 percent, 70 percent of the money I pay every month is interest to the bank. Uh, another scary statistic out there is actually the, the length of auto loan terms of uh, the last 10 years have only continued to go up. And the reason why is is because of that that short frame of thinking where we're all, we're also focused on payments. I can afford five hundred a month. I can afford three hundred a month. I can afford eight hundred a month to get what I want right now. And we're not paying attention to the math, and we're taking out eight year auto loans, paying five hundred a month to be to be in a used Cadillac Escalade that's already eight years old. 
you there it's it's much harder to build wealth when you go that path and it's important that you manage uh, manage your expectations and manage that comfort style and really reduce that cost because guess what we go buy a cash car uh, for six thousand be happy with point a to point b uh it's functional it works for us that five or six hundred a month we were committed to to pay that that lender for the next eight years goes in back in my pocket and i can go make that money work for me and in three years you know 800 a month saving up is twenty four thousand. you know i can do it twenty four thousand. i can i can put that in the stock market i can uh, get a down payment for a rental property. You hear me talk about rental properties because I like rental properties, but we'll talk about more of that in the future. Uh, that's $24,000 I can use to start a business or get a business going. Uh, it's money I could use to invest uh, with a friend I have who I'm confident. It's money I could use to build an app. It's money I could use to uh, bo- boost my income, like we talked about before, and gaining new skills and gaining more knowledge and not wasting that money uh, on a car because we we're, we want to be like the big timers. We want to we want to still still be fly uh, even though we might not have the cash flow to do so. Well, that's today's show on building a strong financial foundation. A strong financial foundation starts with uh, building income. Focus on building income. How do we generate more income? Uh, really looking to ourselves and how we can do that. What, how much, pro- what productivity we can bring to the world and to others. And on the other side is expenses. Uh, really getting into the nitty gritty of our expenses. Some of the psychological warfare we might play with ourselves, uh, and really being committed to our goals and our financial aspirations, and not giving in to the Joneses and to uh, our emotions, and staying committed and staying on path. Uh, and being focused. And as always, no matter where you are on your financial journey, always take the time to reach out and be a good Samaritan.